following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2003's House of the Dead, directed by Uva Boll, starring Jonathan Cherry, Tyron Lazo, Ona Grauer, Jurgen Prochnow, Ellie Cornell. Clint Howard, Inuka Okuma, Will Sanderson, Kira Clavel, and Michael Eklund. House of the Dead is a 2003 action horror film based on the successful 1996 light gun arcade game of the same name, produced by Sega. This film currently holds a 4% on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? <laughs> Set on an island off the coast, a techno rave party attracts a diverse group of college co-eds and a Coast Guard officer. Soon, they discover that their ex-laced escapades are to be interrupted by zombies and monsters that attack them on the ground, from the air, and in the sea, ruled by an evil entity in the House of the Dead. Okay, House of the Dead. What is your history with this? This is uh, the first time I've seen it. I'm a House of the Dead virgin. I think I've seen this before. I don't really remember it, but I'm pretty sure I've seen this before. I question your memory. I I played the video game at the local movie theater when I was a kid. Yeah, I played the game too. I think everybody's played this video game. That's that's our age. Let me put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if I saw this and completely forgot about it. Hell, we forgot about it like, what, 10 minutes after the fact. I've already forgotten. What movie are we watching? (laughs) I saw this movie years ago. A mutual friend of ours, Kevin, showed this movie to me. House of the Dead party? We had a mini House of the Dead sausage party because it was just the two of us. All right, yeah, House of the Dead, I've played the game, whatever, who cares? Let's <laughs> Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. Let's discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. One by one? What's the point? <laughs> yeah, I, There's I mean, no I, point. There's no point because I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to match the names to the, uh, to the characters. That's impossible, and they all acted the same. Uh, how's that? Piss poor. <laughs> the Piss poor performance, performance perpetrated primarily. Okay. Possibly some post-porn star. Yeah, yeah, one of them was post-porn star, I think. All right, all right, let, let me bring it down to at least a couple people. All right, okay. All right. Clint Howard. <laughs> <laughs> he did his Clint Howard thing, but it's so ridiculous and over the top, and he's just clearly acting in a crappy movie. Is he? He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Is, is he a tarnish on the Howard name? He's a crown jewel. He is. Kidding he's, me? He's the mo- he's the prize jewel of the Howard family. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, you're the most kid. ridiculous thing you've ever said. <laughs> and you've said a lot. You should be ashamed of yourself. Said I choose my words very carefully. <laughs> Jurgen Prochnow. Who is that? The boat. <laughs> 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 the retired war criminal. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. He's out. He's he's out of the game. <laughs> How do you think he did? He was a you know he's a retired war criminal. Played his part. <laughs> There's a good pension with that. Uh, Ona Grauer. You know who she is. She yeah. She was the girl whose shirt was was tied together with shoelaces. <laughs> 
Okay, yes. In a movie with a lot of, well, not a lot, but a few women topless. I was convinced this whole movie that we were going to see her topless because her shirt was just like tied together. It was the only suspenseful thing about this movie. <laughs> will we or will we not <laughs> see her boobs? That I, I was in suspense in the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, you would have shut up about it. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to see him. Her acting skills? None. Oh my gosh. Did you say second to none? <laughs> <laughs> what about these other people like uh, Kira Clavel? Who's that? <laughs> Michael Eklund. Kira Clavel was the girl in the American jumpsuit. The the only Asian girl in the in the film. Besides the ones that were dancing around naked at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She was. Wait, are you looking for comments? Because all of these actors were terrible. <laughs> Below soap opera quality, terrible. Three a.m. USA movie, terrible. That's what this was. Okay, all right. Up all night. <laughs> I'm so glad you could be here with us, Kevin. <laughs> to enjoy this movie. Okay, yeah, so is that the final word on the actors here? Are you going to paint them all with the same brush? The worst acting I've seen in an actual feature film, I think, ever. (laughs) Wow. Harsh words. So you're going to stay... Did you choose your words very carefully? Very, very, very carefully. None of these people should ever be allowed in another movie ever again. Clint Howard? Yeah, fine. I've had enough of him. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I've had enough. I hope Ron doesn't hear this. Yeah, Ron. I have nothing but love for Ron. I think Ron Howard is spinning in his grave right now. Ron Howard <laughs> what? is not he's dead. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I use my words very carefully. <laughs> this would be the time where I would discuss the brief history of House of the Dead. Well, guess what? The history is so brief it's not existent. <laughs> So instead of talking about the history of House of the Dead, let's talk about the man who gave birth to the House of the Dead, Uwe Boll himself. Kevin, do you know anything about this guy? Very, very little. I know that he's notorious for making terrible movies and that he once fought his critics in a boxing match. Yeah, we we witnessed that in heck. We did. Kevin, you're you're a bit of a money man, so you'll you'll, you'll enjoy... Kevin, Kevin, you sw- you swim around in your giant tower full of gold coins. Yeah, yeah, I exchanged all my money for pennies and, and yeah. filled a vault with them so I could swim with them. You're a staunch believer in free market capitalism, so you'll love the Darwinian little- capitalism. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, you'll love this. All right. Uwe Boll's movies have often performed poorly at the box office in the United States. House of the Dead, which was budgeted at $12 million, made how much worldwide? I'm going to say $100 million. That's a great guess. Martin? Th- this movie? <laughs> this movie made song? <laughs> You're saying $100 million? That's correct, sir. Are you out of your mind? That is my final answer. I'm going to say like... Like five, six million? <laughs> Seven, maybe? Okay. House of the Dead made $5.73 million in its opening weekend. Alone in the Dark, which was budgeted at $20 million, made $5.1 million. And Blood Rain, which was made for $25 million, made only $2.42 million. <laughs> the least profitable commercial performance of his career was In the Name of the King, a dungeon siege tale, which made barely $10 million worldwide at the box office on a $60 million budget. Until the law was changed in 2005, Boll was able to acquire funding thanks to German tax laws that reward investments in film. The law allowed investors in German-owned films to write off 100% of their investment as a tax deduction. It also allowed them to invest borrowed money and write off any fees associated with the loan. The investor was then only required to pay taxes on the profits made by the movie. If the movie loses money, the investor got a tax write-off. In the DVD commentary of Alone in the Dark, Bull explains
explains how he funds his films. Maybe you know, but it's not so easy to finance movies in total. And the reason I am able to do these kind of movies is I have a tax shelter fund in Germany. And if you invest in a movie in Germany, you get basically 50% back from the government. Mm -hmm. Bohl has received a lot of negative publicity regarding the, this funding method. Uwe Bohl received a rare Worst Career Achievement Award at the 29th <laughs> Golden Raspberry Awards on February 21st, 2009 for In the Name of the King. Bohl began to sue BitTorrent users for illegally downloading his film Far Cry as a way to generate revenue from money thought lost to illegal file sharing. Bohl does not shy away from his critics in the Alone in the Dark DVD commentary. He responds to criticism that his adaptations make significant changes to the plot and style of source material. Fans are always totally flipping out and I understand that the fan of a video game has his own agenda in his head and has his ideas about what is a good movie and what is a bad movie. Referring to House of the Dead, Bull said, I think I made a perfect House of the Dead movie because it really shows how the game is. It's a lot of fun. It's over the top action. Okay, House of the Dead. So essentially what's going on here is that the main characters in this movie, they were on their way to the biggest rave of the year on some random abandoned island in the middle of nowhere. We've got our, our crew of dead meat cannon fodder people. They just show up. They miss the boat to get to this rave, which is on an island. These characters that we're presented with, we have our hero, his goofball buddy, world's biggest underwear model, <laughs> and uh, three girls. A anyway, which movie had richer characters? House of Wax or House of the Dead? House, oh, of, House wax. of Wax. By far. No yeah. competition. House of Wax is an actual movie. House of Wax knows that it's campy, but it does it in like an entertaining way. That was a surprise for me. So they missed the boat to get onto this island for this rave. So what, what they do is they essentially go down a dock and they find a fishing boat and they come upon none other than Mr. Clint Howard. Yeah, Clint ha and he's got a hook. He looked like the guy from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Except like with a Gordon's Fisherman jacket on. Yeah, instead of the, the, the green slicker, it was bright yellow. Yeah, it looked like he made fish sticks. There's Wait, like did he have a hook hand? He did. And he no, 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 no. I, I thought that too. I was like, this guy have a hook hand, but you can clearly see him holding it. Oh. At first, I thought he had hook hands, so and I. then yeah. later, he didn't have a hook hand anymore. I just figured, crappy filmmaking, they just forgot that the guy had a hook hand. <laughs> while this setup is happening, we are we get shots of the rave while it's in progress. Can we please not call it a rave? They say it's the world's greatest rave. It looks horrible. It's not a rave. Can you describe what this amazing rave was like, Kevin? It looked like uh, a family picnic with a stage. <laughs> if you put this in a <laughs> church picnic? Yeah. With nudity. <laughs> <laughs> If you put this in a basement in my town, this would be like an eighth grade party where somebody snuck in a bottle of Bacardi. There was a Sega sign. Yeah, this rave is sponsored by Sega. I was really happy to see that. Which is probably why it was so terrible. Why would Sega <laughs> sponsor a rave yep. on an island uh -huh, uh -huh. with a boat that leaves from the mainland, takes people to the island, and then just disappears? Wouldn't there be video games if Sega was sponsoring it? <laughs> and for the world's greatest rave, there was only like maybe 20 people there. 25 people. Does someone own the island? Then. Yeah, did Sega just decide just pick an island at random, not get any permission and set up a rave? Yeah, there was, there was 25 people on this island. 15 of them were girls, and about 13 of them flashed the camera at least once. <laughs> what if Sega didn't sponsor it at all? Just like the DJ just loves video games. So he, <laughs> he brought his own Sega banner. <laughs> 
That's a possibility, right? Wait, wait, wait. We completely skipped over the fact that they're going to pay $1,000. They find this fishing vessel. They talk to the captain who seems like he walked right off of a U-boat. And they offer him $1,000 to drive the five of them to this island. That's how desperate they are to get to this rave. $1,000. That's a lot of money. Not for the world's greatest rave, Kevin. Yeah, the greatest rave on earth. You saw that rave. You can rent a boat for like a week for $1,000 probably. No, that's not true. But still, for the world's greatest rave. It probably cost $3,000 just to go to that rave. What do you say to that? Kevin, did you see how good that banner was? That Sega ad? Listen, the guy's going to take the money. He's a retired war criminal. Yeah, I guess so. So he takes the money. And right then, the Harbor Patrol or Coast Guard? Coast Guard. Or yeah, yeah, Coast Guard. The feds? They didn't look like Coast Guard, but... Um, the mall cops show yes, up. Yes. And demands to board the vessel to search it for something? I don't know. They say to the captain, hey, we got to get to this rave. Completely ignore the authorities and let's get out of here. I think he offered him more money too, right? Yeah. Another couple hundred. So yeah, then they, they drive off leaving the uh, authorities in the dust. <laughs> or so they thought. We got a little bit more nudity here. Like there's like a girl swimming, skinny dip, little skinny dip surprise. Mm-hmm. The first zombie in this movie appears within 15 minutes as opposed to the last zombie video game movie that we watched where it took an hour and a half for the <laughs> zombies to show up. I'm glad we've cornered the market on zombie-based video, video game. game adaptations. Yeah. The girl from the water, she tries to find the guy who went missing. Yeah, she stumbles into some random building. She finds her boyfriend, but uh-oh, he's got an arm coming out of his belly. Gross, that's yucky. The zombie impaled him with his fist. So this is the first time that we see the zombies. The zombie fisted him? Oh, yeah. And Kevin, thoughts on the zombie effects? These were the worst zombies I've ever seen. <laughs> they were like skeletons with red glowing eyes. It looks like somebody bought these props at like Party City or, you know, like a, your local Halloween shop that pops up a couple days before Halloween. It was atrocious. And I was like, I can't believe this is what the zombies look like. But that wasn't what the zombies look like because we never saw those zombies again. Where did those zombies come from? I don't know. I appreciate them. They had glowing eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that effect, having LEDs behind their eyes. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Do it for all the zombies then. Why was it only in those zombies? Yeah, because then you got to get your, you know, human actors up. The rest of the zombies just look like shambling bums. Is that Some of them did. Some of them look like skeletons. Some of them look like Swamp Thing. Yeah, some of them look like conquistadors. <laughs> yeah, what was, why, why was there a... <laughs> Why was there a medieval time zombie in this movie? Whatever. There's a guy that did like the back flip with the axe. We'll get, we'll don't. Aerobatic zombies. I'm just in such a rush to stop talking about this stupid movie. So let's skip ahead to the end. Okay, so they all, they all make it back to the scene of the rave and one of the girls makes a comment. She picks up a shirt that's drenched, soaked. But this is important. Dripping, just spilling and oozing with blood. And she goes, ew, this is weird. Okay, so some people out there are kind of curious about us and the way we watch the movies and what we're doing, you know, what we're wearing, what we're eating, how we smell when we're watching these movies. (laughs) <laughs> and when we watched the movie, something really interesting happened. Kevin, why don't you describe what happened during this sequence? Well, we, we watched all of this, <laughs> and we watched a few minutes more. Actually, a good probably like 10 minutes more. And then we decided to rewind. We rewound too far and went all the way back to this scene. And that's when we first noticed her picking up this bloody t-shirt. None of us <laughs> noticed it the first time. I was like, wait, did this happen before? Did the DVD skip or something? And no one else, none of you guys remembered it either. I thought that we had skipped to, like, way ahead of the movie, and we were at a completely different scene. 
And by the way, this isn't the last time this happened too. Like, there was a couple more times when I would rewind, and you we were like, "Wait a minute, I don't remember them saying that." And this is this is really bad because these are huge plot points. <laughs> like, like like her finding a bloody shirt is like an extremely heavy-handed foreshadowing that like something terrible happened to. It's her. not even subtle. It's like, it's like she picks it up. It's like she's picking up like a bloody shirt. Like there was a massacre at this site, and then they're just like, okay, and they move on. Like nothing happened. Like they didn't just find a bloody T-shirt, and there's tens of people missing. The, the rave is destroyed. Like there's tens been, like, fire. everywhere, and everyone's gone. But don't worry, the tap for the keg is still working. They got their priorities straight. Yep. All right, so everybody runs off. We get a little sexy scene. Yeah, and as typical horror movie cliche rules, if you break off to have sex, sorry, bro, You're you next. gotta go. It's the Paris Hilton looking girl and her her boyfriend. So he goes off to use the bathroom and she's left alone. While the cat's away, the zombies will play. They show up and they, I, I don't know, they rip her apart. They rip her to shreds. Yeah, they attack. And when everybody comes back, all they find is a flipped over porta potty. <laughs> <laughs> when they flip the porta potty over this disheveled guy... <laughs> comes out smeared in feces. It's, oh, what happened? What happened? What happened? Yeah, so the boyfriend missed the attack because this, the zombies had a playful side and decided to, like, tip over the, the, the porta potty while he was taking a dump. He must smell so bad. I mean, we've all gone into porta potties at, like, public events where there's a lot of people, right? Yep. Yeah, concerts, yeah. festivals, whatever. And if Campsites. you go to the world's greatest rave, can you imagine what the porta potties must be like there? It's gotta be a huge death Detriment, if you're trying to escape zombies, right, if you're smelling like feces and you're running around with stink lines coming off you, can't they track you? Or does it disguise your tasty human smell? Oh, oh. they did that in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Do zombies smell like doo-doo? <laughs> <laughs> they smell like, yeah, decroted. Decroted? <laughs> decroted human cells. I'm sure a real zombie would reek. <laughs> Would a real zombie have stink? Would he have stink lines and little flies going around? Yes, there'd be stink lines all over the place. Look like pig pen walking around. <laughs> I'm gonna say I would be able to stand someone covered and smeared in feces, <laughs> the smell of that, before I'd be able to stand the smell of a zombie. A bold prediction. Hmm. Perhaps we'll put that to the test tonight. <laughs> Here. And yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> Tune in. Find out. <laughs> we can actually do this because we are, we, are, we, are, we are recording in a porto potty. <laughs> There's some feces on hand because I upper deck Joel's toilet before. <laughs> Kevin Onion Soup. <laughs> yeah, the Paris Hilton girl turns into a zombie, which is one of the few times that we actually see that happen. To the point where even Joel later was like, people get bit, do they turn into zombies? Yeah, they didn't do a good job with this. I was fine with it. Yeah, this movie really... didn't really follow any rules. I was... Uh, I was yeah, okay. no zombie rules were established at all, right? No. No, not, not at all. In fact, there were... There, there was the opposite. They were breaking every rule and then they were re-establishing rules. In this movie, anything goes. How about this? The reason why all these zombies are so different from one another is because just like in the video game, there's different types of enemies and they have different types of characteristics. See? Very meta. Oovable. It's just like the video game. <laughs> 
Well, you know, something that we we've, we haven't brought up yet, which also is a sign of a poor movie, is that in between cuts of scenes, oh yeah, we are treated to a second or two shot of the video game straight from the arcade. Yeah, it even says like insert coin at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> when someone dies, blood drips down, or the screen turns red, just like when you died in the video game. Kevin, how did you feel about this? This is so stupid. Like, I can understand being in you know having a video game as inspiration, but a video game's a video game and a movie's a movie. <laughs> Keep them separate. I don't want to see shots from the video game as a cutscene in the movie. That doesn't make any sense. You, so you didn't like the 1996 era polygon graphics that are cutting edge? You know, if there was one place I could understand it, it would be during the big like shootout when everyone actually was fighting zombies. Yes. If that was spliced in there, like real life shooting zombies. Yeah, okay. Video okay, game okay, shooting okay. zombies. But they're walking through the forest cut to another scene of them walking somewhere in between is video game footage of zombies getting shot yep they use so out of place yeah they use that constantly constantly right at first it would happen it happened once and then there was like 10 20 minutes until the next one Mm -hmm. and then it seemed like the intervals between (laughs) these things was like shorter and shorter and shorter right yeah until almost every time it was there was a cut it was a video game well no eventually they just threw away the idea of them being used as like interstitials between cuts and they just like did it in the scene like yeah the same scene would be playing out and it would just like be spliced in there for no reason like it didn't cut to anything else it was just like the video game joel an auteur like no other oh my gosh so they all decide to run back to captain kirk's boat by the way we didn't even set this up that's the name of the captain of the boat his name is kirk captain kirk ha ha so they run back to his boat. They want to leave the island and, uh, you know, get away from all these zombies. But unfortunately, these zombies know how to swim. So they cut to the boat and Captain Kurt is being treated to a, a zombie infestation of his own. And he is not in the least bit surprised that there are zombies. And not only is he not surprised, but he is a phenomenal shot. Yeah, he just pulls out a, a gun out of his pocket and just starts <laughs> shooting them in the head left and right. He doesn't even say anything. He makes no noise or inflection that he is surprised or upset or scared. He just starts blowing them away. Stone cold look on his face the whole time. Another thing that's going on in this movie at this point is that they they do the the classic horror movie thing of, hey, why don't you call somebody? Oh, I can't. My cell phone, it's interference. Even though in the beginning of this movie, one of the characters is very clearly seen using her cell phone to talk to somebody else while she's on the island. What the hell is going on? What the hell is interfering with cell phones everywhere? Like, is there some type of anti-cell phone machinery? Yeah, there's jammers. Not here, though. Oh, no, not on the island. No, no, no. To answer your question, Joel, there's no reason. That's bad filmmaking. (laughs) To answer Martin's question, there are cell phone signal jammers. (laughs) I don't know if you guys knew this, but zombies are like Dilophosauruses from Jurassic Park (laughs) because they can spit acid from their mouths. I I didn't know that. uh, That was something that was set up in this movie. That was a new zombie rule for me. I also didn't know they were so proficient as swimmers. They could also also leap like Spider-Man. They were like Michael Phelps in the... The, uh, in the ocean there. I gotta give Uva Bull credit. Like, some of those shots underwater of the zombies swimming and, like, the bullets whizzing by, they did look pretty good. Okay. You gotta give it, give it, come on, come on! Alright, that's the one thing he gets. So after all this is going on and the zombies attack, all the people, they go up to the captain there and they're like, what the hell's going on here? And the captain, he has a flashback, I guess, or he's telling them a story. I don't know what the hell's going on, but is they the, cut. Is, is the captain 200 years old? Like, I don't, I don't get this. <laughs> but that's what it looked like, right? It looked like he was yeah. having a flashback. They cut to... It looked like a 
funny or die video <laughs> where they were like trying to show you 200 years ago in like a comedic way where Will Ferrell was going to be like an old pirate or something. They, they went 200 years in the past and Kevin, what the hell is going on here? Well, they threw some sepia tones at us to make us feel like we were in the olden days. This is a far cry from Stephen Sommers. This isn't a cold open flashback. No, not at all. This guy can't hold a candle to Stephen Sommers. <laughs> so Kevin, what was going on in this scene? There was a prisoner held below this <laughs> ship that I guess originated in Spain because the prisoner... Is he a Portuguese man of war? <laughs> yes! No. So there's a Spanish prisoner who's, I guess, a bad guy. He was a priest, <laughs> but what he did was not the work of God. And the ship's captain comes down and goes to talk to him, and the prisoner's like, come closer. Come, come closer. Hey, hey, come closer. Hey, buddy. I can't, I can't <laughs> hey, bro. see you. Hey, bro. I got some sweat on my brow. Wipe it <laughs> off for me. He walks over. He gets real, leans in real close. To, like, like, he's going in for a kiss. And of course, the prisoner grabs him and kills him. And Gets away? I don't know what happened from there. What? No. The this has to do he, with anything. I don't know. The captain says that he kills the rest of the crew. How do you pull that off? Like, really, stop and think about this. The world's greatest rave on an abandoned island. Zombie attack. Now let's have a flashback to the year 1650. <laughs> what? It was like this script was written in, like, a creative writing class in high school. By the whole class? Yeah, like, like, like the, one person starts it, the next person just writes the next paragraph. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a mad lib. Like, they just filled in the adjectives as they went along. So they had this big shootout where all the zombies are in the water. And they shoot all the zombies. They kill them all. And they're up on, on the land. The one guy's got his face burned off from the acid. Which looks unbelievably painful. Yet, he's still able to talk and laugh and love. Yeah, he's having a good time still. He's still able to love? Absolutely. That's a miracle. That's all that matters. It's a testament to the power of the human spirit. <laughs> the power of love. <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> they now formulate some plan where the, the Coast Guard takes one of the people with her to go find her boat, which is like on the other side of the island, right? Correct. Yes. Correct. They just killed all the zombies that were at that boat. Why not get on the boat that's right there? Kevin, stop it. <laughs> Why not just get on that boat where there's no zombies right now and leave? Kevin, we're reviewing a movie. Stop. <laughs> Don't let a little thing like logic get in the way of a great film like this. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Why don't you just take the boat? <laughs> They're running around in the forest looking for God knows what. I have no idea. <laughs> It's like in Resident Evil when they're like, where are they? What are they doing? Where are they going? It's the same kind of situation. And they get attacked by zombies. And all these zombies are running around. And all of a sudden, these, for reasons unknown, these zombies have the ability to jump a thousand feet in the air. They have a Kate Beckinsale-esque vertical leaps. Oh, yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're jumping so high in the air. I'm wondering to myself, how is it that they can jump so high? My yeah, question Joel. is quickly answered. Joel was given the answer. My eagle eye caught something in the corner of the screen that I was not very happy to see. Joel paused the movie and said, did you guys just see that? And me and Kevin looked at each other and said, no, what are you talking about? He's like, really? You rewinded it and played again. No, right there. Did you just see that? We're like, what? You rewinded it a third time. And he said, look in the left-hand corner of the screen right now. And there is a very, very 
very visible catapult that launches this actor into the air. It, lo- it is absurd looking. It is not hidden it's at not all. It's not hidden at all. There's lights on it. Like there's <laughs> like like there's like like there's obviously some type of like hydraulic mechanism on it, which is either electrically or battery operated that causes it to fire or, or catapult this person. And there's lights on it. So you're in the middle of the woods and there's this catapult that has like LEDs on it. It's launching this actor in the air. Okay, what do you think of this? It was just, it just so shows a total lack of effort. <laughs> Are you saying Uva Bowl doesn't care about his movies? Apparently not. I mean, you just, you need to intensely, intensely not care what your movie looks like <laughs> to leave something like that in there. You know what? I bet you that's one of those situations where they saw that it was there. Like they knew that the mistake was there, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they saw it in the editing bay, but they were like, it took us all day to set that shot up. I have not got to cut that. And they left it in. You wouldn't have to cut it. You could just take some special effects, paintbrush, draw over that, color it in, make it dark. Uh, non-creative time. <laughs> Listen to this, fool. This is non-creative. <laughs> yeah, Look, yeah, if you yeah. can make a GMC truck turn into a transformer, you can darken the lit up <laughs> catapult. Yeah, you Fact. Have, yeah, you'd have to go through frame by frame and you'd have to hire an effects company. Okay, so this? more people get tax shelters. <laughs> No harm, no foul. Uh, uh, okay, so let, let's cut to the the big set piece. This is the the ultimate sequence in this movie. This is what I think of when I think of the House of the Dead movie because this was like the shots that were in like the trailers and the commercials and stuff. They go back to the big open field part where there's like buildings and stuff and they have this ultimate shootout. Now during this sequence of events when all the zombies are swarming and they're firing their shotguns everywhere, they constantly cut <laughs> to this kind of 360 degree, almost Michael Bay-esque camera rotation around the characters. There's like eight characters at this point, and each one of them gets this protracted shot of the cameras rotating around them while they're firing their weapons. Multiple yeah. times. While the camera pans around them, I don't know what the process would have been, but it must not have been pleasant, because every character, every actor, had this stone-cold look on their face, like they were they had no emotion <laughs> while they're firing guns into zombies. I'd be like screaming and stuff, wouldn't you? <laughs> They're just, just, it's like they're standing in line at the DMV. You said that they look like stone cold killers. Well, clearly they're not. That's another thing, right? Like, this is just a bunch of random people. Yeah. They find this crate of, of random weapons. Like in a video and they game. turn into professional killers. The way that they were holding their guns, I thought was laughable. Yeah, it was terrible. Laughable. They held their guns as if the guns themselves had absolutely no weight to them mm-hmm. at all. Like they were clearly, they were holding like props, squirt guns that are painted black. Yep. Yeah, super soakers. We saw zombies here and there in clusters of, what, five or six? Yeah. As soon as they get weapons, there's thousands of them. <laughs> yeah, where are they coming from? Where they- did all of those zombies come from? Are they from the world's greatest rave? Like, is it the leftover ravers? I guess, that, the, where could, were they could, the whole time? Been, it couldn't have been from that rave. There was only 20 people at that rave. <laughs> it's an annual rave. There were multiple raves <laughs> going on throughout the island. That's gotta be it. There was a Nintendo rave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sony the, PlayStation rave. Yeah, the Microsoft rave on the other side. <laughs> now here, all of Uva Bowl's budget is about to be spent on one shot. And this really is the money shot. This is the coolest shot in the movie. The main girl, she's got her, her shotgun. Mm-hmm. And in the distance, a zombie runs up with an axe. He jumps in the air, does a front flip. And while he's in the middle of the flip, he throws his axe. At the same time, the girl does this leap in the air, holding a shotgun. She jumps like 20 feet in the air. Yeah, her vertical leap was 
was it, 10, it, it, 10, 15 it, feet. It put like Kobe Bryant to shame. <laughs> she jumps so high in the air. The camera gets really slow motion, kind of zooms around her. She fires off her shotgun. The camera follows the bullet. The bullet explodes and turns into what look like bees. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the bug shot, like it, it splinters off. The bullets go around the axe, hit the zombie so hard in the chest, he flies backwards a thousand feet. And then she just falls to her feet and lands and like the axe like soars overhead. What did you think of this scene, Kevin? There was no kickback on her firing that shotgun while jumping in the air. She wasn't grounded or bracing herself in any way. There's no way. <laughs> You could be the strongest person in the world and you'd, you'd show some kickback if you were jumping in the air firing that thing. Okay, so they continue on killing all these zombies. This goes on for another three or four minutes. It's really a long, protracted scene. They get cornered into the back of the literal house of the dead and they're trying to get in, but they can't get the door down. It's at this point that the girl in the American flag jumpsuit... The only Asian The only Asian character. Movie, yeah, gets, uh, gets taken down by the zombies and... The protagonist guy sees her being killed and he has like a memory seizure. The hero is just standing there and the while the girl's being ripped apart, she's screaming for help. She's like, help me, help me. Like he's got a gun in his hand. And he's not doing anything. He doesn't do anything. He just stares there. It's like he care less that she's being ripped to shreds. Like, the, like if I was him, I would have shot her in the head. Just ended it. He almost looked disgusted. Like, he looked like, he, can't he, believe you can't believe you've let them get you. Yeah. <laughs> he actually looked he, he actually looked like confused. He's he was, like bored. He's, he looked a little <laughs> hungry you know he's, <laughs> he's watching her get ripped to shreds and then he cl- he, he kind of closes his eyes and he makes this look like he smelled like a like a rancid <laughs> fart or something he's like he's like huh, 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 huh. like his head is wiggling back and forth and all of a sudden Michelle cam- Rodriguez face oh yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> the camera zooms in to his brain <laughs> I, I think we see his thoughts. Were is those that, his thoughts? Is that what that was? So it, essentially, they do the same thing that they did with the ship. They make these sepia tone images, and it was like they took one shot from every minute that happened in this movie up until this scene, and they played it at super, super fast forward <laughs> motion. Like you saw like four hundred frames in ten seconds. <laughs> I almost had a seizure. I had no idea what was happening. What was the point of any of this? There was no point. Like, sometimes you see stuff it, like this of, just, like, this is what the character's remembering. Like, this is why this is important. This was just, like, let's do this. <laughs> okay, so he's having he's having this memory seizure. It ends, and then the screen turns red, like, in the video game because the Asian woman is dead. And then it shows the main character again. He's like, oh, all right. Like, nothing happened. Like, he just, he's like, uh, okay. And then walked forward and started killing zombies again. Okay, so they're in the house of the dead, and the zombies break in. So they lock themselves inside and find a hidden doorway that leads on a rail underground that's supposed to take them out to freedom. One is guy- that the case? Did anyone say that? Yeah, they did. Why would that make any sense? I don't know. Why the Underground it? Railroad. You studied history. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Harriet Tubman? Yeah, Harriet Tubman was there. They're on an island and they go underground. Where is that supposed to take them? It takes them to the north. Hell, I don't know. It, it's, it's stupid. It takes them to the industrialized north. Anyway. The one thing I liked about this was I I don't know if this is intentional. I want to believe it was intentional, but they're running around on this underground railroad and zombies are just popping up out of no 
nowhere and while they're walking down this hallway they're just shooting the zombies left and right this scene most of all resembled a video game to me what I thought was cool about this is that games like House of the Dead are called on rail shooters and here they are walking around on a rail shooting things was that intentional you think or just an accident no that was intentional I guess the only way for you to know would be to watch it again with commentary Joel this looks like the rest of your night's plans let's do that right now actually let's turn this podcast off and watch it again okay so they make their way down this really long railroad underground tunnel and they find themselves in a laboratory yeah they they find the mastermind of this whole thing I guess yeah the uh, old Spanish priest surprise (laughs) surprise (laughs) this guy from the year 1610 he's still alive this character that had absolutely nothing to do with this plot (laughs) you know this is like Kevin imagine if you or I were in the middle of a terrorist attack and I was like Kevin let me tell you the story of Jack and the Beadstock (laughs) and then at the end it turns out that the head terrorist was like Jack (laughs) it was the giant the giant would be the terrorist yeah whatever (laughs) that's what this is like right this scene gave me my favorite line reading in the entire movie though because when the main character was strapped down to the table and he was being told how perfect his body was and how he was going to use the limbs forever (laughs) he said how could you do this you created all these people just to be immortal why to which he responds to live forever it's just redundant it was was flawless why did you do this to be immortal to live forever did they ever tell us how he did this they looked through a microscope and the cells were dividing I thought that that just happened naturally I thought he was like a Frankenstein because he was all stitched together why was he stitched together Frankenstein (laughs) chemist priest Prisoner. They're just like, hey, let's make him a Frankenstein chemist priest. And, and that, that's good enough. That's why they're zombies. That's why he's a zombie, and that's why there's other zombies. How does he have such a, a such a unbelievably advanced understanding of biology in, like, the 1700s? <laughs> I always thought that it was a, a virus. Like, the House of the Dead games, like, that it was a virus. I think we can agree it's not a virus, right? In this movie, no. Right? So then why would them biting someone cause that person to become a zombie? Magic. <laughs> Oh, man. It's magic. That's, you know you're in a Voodoo. hole. Voodoo. You, you know you're in a hole, and you got to say it's magic. Okay, so they have one last showdown with this Spanish prisoner guy. They have a sword fight <laughs> with this guy. They're fighting him. The, this girl gets stabbed in the solar plexus. The best place to get stabbed. Yeah, and then our hero chops this dude's head off. But surprise, yet again, even though the head is detached, he can still control the body. Ooh. How is he doing? I guess there's like a remote control radio (laughs) transmitter in his head. Is controlling his body. And then the girl comes up and squashes his head like a cantaloupe. She just steps on it. And it bl- bursts. Right? Yes. And it bursts. Mm-hmm. Which would insinuate that this guy's real fragile. Yeah, but the, all during like that really big fight scene, he's, he's he's swinging this really heavy sword. If his body's that fragile, wouldn't he not even be able to like pick that up? Wouldn't his arms just get ripped off? Yes. So stupid. <laughs> okay, so that's it. That's House of the Dead. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
dead is so artistically and creatively bankrupt that it boggles the mind just how a miserable little picture like this could sneak into theaters and enjoy its theatrical run. Brian Orndorff, ModenMag.com. One of the most astonishingly idiotic pieces of entertainment I've ever had the displeasure of sitting through, Nick Shager, Lessons of Darkness. And finally, even connoisseurs of bad movies will find little to enjoy in this one. Gary Dowell, Dallas Morning News. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yeah, this movie's terrible. It's not even that bad. It's good. There's nothing funny or redeeming about it. The story's terrible. The acting's horrible. It's boring, uninteresting. The effects are horrible. It's shot poorly. The screenwriters, I don't know. There probably weren't any screenwriters, right? Was there a script to this movie? No. I mean... Completely ad-libbed. Yeah, this movie is really... This movie was a sin, and I feel like I'm less of a man for being made to watch this movie. I can't believe you guys have seen this before, and I can't believe that you would willingly see it again. This movie gets a one out of five. I hated it. Yeah, this movie definitely gets a hard one out of five. It doesn't deserve to have been released in theaters. It, it does, I don't even know if it should have been a direct DVD movie. It's almost insultingly bad. It's it's so stupid. I don't think there's anything of any merit in this entire 90-minute film. I'm going to bug the trend. Five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to go with a one. I'm going to go with a two out of five. Two out of five. It's bad. This is a bad, 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 bad movie. But, 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 see it. I say see it. Yep, see it. So wait, wait, wait. Girl with a dragon tattoo. I gave the girl with the dragon tattoo the exact same score that I'm going to give House of the Dead. Those movies are two no outrageously different. And I'm not saying that the girl with the dragon tattoo is a good movie, the David Fincher version. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it is not this. Yeah, but that's not how movie reviews work. We don't review the movies compared to other movies we reviewed the movies on their own yeah, in a on, vacuum yes on their own merits and I'm telling you that David Fincher's movie has a lot more merit to it than this one does yeah but that aspired to be greater what, it, this aspired so, for so, nothing so you're saying because Uwe Boll didn't give a shit he's a buy <laughs> no you're rewarding you're rewarding yes! Uwe Boll for not failure caring? and mediocrity I'm giving it a two because I think there is possibility for laughs that's why this could be a funny movie if you watch it with the right people at the right time with the right things in your system. Yeah, you have to be, you'd have to be on drugs. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to be drunk or high mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, I don't know what. This is a miserable experience. <laughs> I was drunk. I, I was, like this better than Resident Evil. I would break my TV if I was drunk. I'd probably throw a, I don't know, I'd throw a pot at it. The only thing this movie has going for is that it's 90 minutes. No, 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 no. There was some breastuses in it. Yeah, no, I'm going to say, I'm going to say if, you, if you're going to compare this to Resident Evil, this is only 90 minutes. It's more painful, but it's in a, a shorter window of time. I'm just saying that I didn't like this movie. It's a bad movie. It's a really bad movie, but that's the point. That's why I'm giving it a two because it's a fun, bad movie to watch. You're saying that's why? You're saying it's so bad it's good. Barely. Just barely. It's so it's so bad. It's not terrible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so bad it's almost mediocre. Perfect. All right, so there you go. Choose my words very carefully. Thank you. We got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey, guys. It's Chris Kush. Welcome back. Hey, guys. It's Brandon. Hey, Joel from Ain't Nobody Heard of Us Here. Hi, this is Apple Monkey from the Apple Store. Hey, guys. You know me. It's J.V. Hey guys, this is Shannon from Oak Hill, Ohio. Yo, it's Tyrone from Oregon, where the trees are always boxing. 
Hello, guys. This is Leah, both Connecticut again. Hey, Joel, Kevin, and Martin. This is Casey from California. So, you guys finally bit the bullet and decided to do an Uwe Boll flick. <laughs> I guess House of the Dead is a pretty good starter. Yeah, I saw uh, House of the Dead in theaters, or whatever, Uwe Boll, shit Boll, whatever his name is. Anyway, I went to the theater, and I was, like, watching that movie, and I was like, man, this is crap, dude. It was, like, the worst thing ever, man. And, you know, the whole crowd was just like, I was like, this stupid shit. But here's what I gotta say about that movie. A little message to you, the bull. Really? Really? Come on! You gotta do better than that! Oh, I forgot, I'm talking to you, the bull. You don't do any better than that. You make pieces of crap for hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay, a lot more than that, and you just don't even care. You do not care about the subject matter, and you should not be making movies ever again! I will fight you, Little. I will fight you with my bare hands! When it comes to, like, shitty Uva Boyle, did I get it right? Uva Boyle, I have trouble with his name, and I'm not ashamed of that. Like, I'm actually sort of proud of that. Um, it's not his worst terrible... Like, it, at some point in his career, because I reluctantly follow it for my love of bad movies, I, I, I aggressively hate him, though. I actually dislike, openly dislike him. Like, he's one I don't want to follow anymore. It's the least shitty. His shittiness is not... At some point around, like, Postal, his shittiness became self-aware. And that's the worst. Like... This guy, oh, he is like an epileptic, mentally challenged monkey behind the camera. It astounds me that he continues to make money with these films. No, I do a lot more, has a lot more to do with the director, Uwe Boll. Um, you have to admit the guy has, has to have some charisma to get, keep getting like all the major stars that he's able to get for his movies. And he has pretty big cojones, if you ask me. To say that the act like his movies are the greatest movies ever. I mean, at least Michael Bay can go back on his box office, whereas Uwe Boll, he'd be lucky if he can make double digits box office numbers. Uwe Boll needs to be banned from filmmaking permanently and has to go away. I can only hope that Uwe Boll is punished for this movie and that his punishment for this movie is a shaving lesson from Joel. You, sir, are what is wrong with America today! Uwe Boll! I spit on your face! So I was like, man, somebody's got to do something about this, you know? So I, like, got on my seat. I went to the screen. I'm like, what, what, what was that? What was that? What? I went out in front of the screen. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I look at the crowd or whatever, and um, I just look at them. In their eyes, like a wolf, you know what I mean, for just a little while. And then I just, like, and I just rip ass on the screen. Like, I, I, <laughs> I kind of, like, bend my ass to the screen, like, rip ass. I swear to God, dude, I'm not even lying about this. I swear to God, man. And they were, like, in shock, you know, because I just ripped ass on the screen, you know, and it wasn't really that loud, you know, like, the volume was kind of low. The really bad theater, all right, man. And I just ripped ass, and went, like, all over the screen, you know, and everybody's just like, like, what? And then all of a sudden, just applause and just laughter. And I'm just like, and I raise my hands up like Rocky. You know, my fist in the air. A lot of people give this movie a lot of shit, but you got to remember, this is a movie based on a video game. And the whole plot of the video game is go in and kill things. So I think the movie found that plot and ran with it. And they went in, things got killed. Jurgen Prop now was nice and creepy. 
You know, the whole plot of this damn movie, House of the Dead, was FBI agents go into a mansion, fight evil, save their friends. It's a great plot for a movie. At what point did this wiener schnitzel loving douche think it'd be a good idea? Well, perhaps if we put some teens on an island and they're camping on horny and drinking, then they find a house and we have the zombies. At what point did he think this was a good idea? How is that better than FBI agents fighting evil? First off, the movie doesn't really take place in any sort of house. It's on a freaking island, uh, and there's a rave promoted by Sega. This movie had nothing to do with the video game! Except maybe there was a house with dead people in it. Oh, and there were guns! That's it! Nothing else! And as I'm walking out the exit, you know, they're just cheering, you know what I mean? Because it's a terrible movie, man. I like, I brought them justice, you know what I mean? And I'm walking out there, and on the way out, I went, I, I went, just another little fart on the way out. And that got a second laugh, man. I got a second laugh out of that shit. And, and why? What was the point with the whole switching in between real world to video game world? That made no goddamn sense. It's like he went... Well, we ran out of budget. It only costs a few cents to take scenes from the video game. Yeah, this will be my Citizen Kane. Sweet baby Jesus. I gotta agree with the critics say. It is god-awful. The acting is bad, the fight scenes are terrible, it ruined the game's legacy, and the cast we got from this movie looks like they were rejects from The Real World, Big Brother, and any other reality show. Guys, this movie is not fun to watch. I bet that is not is not fun to review. As far as being so bad, it's good. No, it's mostly so bad, it's kind of sad. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. Now it's time for listener mail. We got another uh, foreign listener checking in. Ahmad says, thanks, from Saudi Arabia. Awesome. Sweet. It's pretty good, right? Aisha writes in and says, my boyfriend and I want to know, if you had to choose only three cinema action heroes to help you save the world from impending doom and utter and complete annihilation, who would they be? Mm. My first go-to was Neo from The Matrix. I was like, wait a minute. His powers are, like, useless in, in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's different scenarios, right? I'm gonna say if there's, like, a supervillain like, bent on, I don't know, like, uh, just, you know, sending off nuclear missiles, start a nuclear war, or something like that, I'd want Sean Connery as James Bond. Alien Invasion, Tommy Lee Jones from Men in Black. Mythical Creatures, Wesley Snipes' as Blade. For me, I'm going Spawn, Spider-Man, Superman. Two Marvel, one DC. <laughs> Which is weird, because I'm way bigger into DC, but I feel that that's a really balanced team. Spawn's got the more ability to move his body around into armor and blades and Spider-Man's smart, you know he can really figure out something. And Superman's got the raw strength, you know, he's a real power hitter. Okay, I'm gonna want like a, a smart science guy on my team to really help us out when we need him most so Dennis Quaid from The Day After Tomorrow <laughs> Next, I'm, I'm going to need, like, a crack shot, like someone who's good with weapons. So, Dennis Quaid from Vantage Point. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I, I'm really going to need someone to, when the world is coming to an end and society is crumbled, I'm going to need someone with a strong moral compass. So, Dennis Quaid from Footloose. <laughs> that's, my, that's my team. What do you think? Footloose is not an action movie. <laughs> yeah, Footloose is not an action movie. If anything, you could go with him from uh... <laughs> Soul Surfer. <laughs> <laughs> from Legion, right? He got, he got slaughtered in that. No, no. If you want someone with a strong moral compass, you can do Dennis Quaid from Inner Space because remember he went to, he was in... Yeah, I, I need a guy who can shrink. No, 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 no. You're going to need was, a guy who can pitch. So you're going to need Dennis Quaid from The Rookie. <laughs>
Um, I'm gonna need a strong family man. Dennis Quaid from <laughs> In Good Company? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alright, I hope that answers your question. Brandon writes in and says, Great movie to book adaptation. Come on, guys, Fight Club. There you go. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah either did I. The next two questions are fairly similar. Chris says, Considering that you three are always wallowing in your own chaotic, insecure <laughs> delusions, I wonder, are you guys tool fans? Which other artists do you listen to? Also, are any of you musically inclined? Do you play any instruments? And Sean says, I can tell just by listening, you guys are big tool fans. Just wondering, what kind of music do you guys listen to? Uh, I like the Mars Volta. Um, I also like, I like a lot of prog rock, but I don't know. I think my music tastes are pretty eclectic. Yeah, I, I don't listen to Tool at all. <laughs> so, like, about half the time you guys say stuff, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I listen to, like, The Strokes and Coldplay. I like, easier stuff than that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the kind of crap that they play on Sirius XMU. <laughs> indie rock. All Nation? Joel, Joel is a, no, 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 no. Joel's an indie darling. He yeah, I like to, that crap. He blog, to, I was in a he blog loves, band. He was a blog band and he loves synth pop. Yeah, Vampire <laughs> Weekend, Matt and Kim, you know, that garbage. Amy writes in and says, I am a tad afraid of going so far off topic considering the castigation you all received for episode seven. But in answer to Kevin's question, yes, I did listen to the Men in Blazers podcast and I enjoyed it immensely. As for which team I support, the answer is Newcastle. Newcastle had a good run this year for a little while, but uh, it came back down to earth. Okay, Melinda writes in and says, it's become a habit of mine to listen to podcasts while I fall asleep at night, which sometimes makes for some interesting dreams. After listening to your podcast at night, I had a dream that you guys had decided to do a live show and that I went with my family to see it. I thought this was going in a different direction. Yeah, I thought this was going in a completely different direction. Let me just say... It was awful. It was at... <laughs> so, so this is actually probably realistic. It's <laughs> it was at some kind of outdoor concert area outside of a zoo. At the Hollywood Bowl. And for some unknown reason, you guys were all wearing these ridiculous American flag costumes. <laughs> like the Asian girl of the House of the Dead. <laughs> It gets a little hazy here, but I think you were even singing and dancing at one point. That sounds about right. I remember telling my family, Joel? no, they really are good. I promise. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I stuck up for you guys to the end. Keep up the good work, but don't ever try to do a live show. I'm glad that we can embarrass your parents and your subconscious. <laughs> Paul writes in and says, What I'd love to see you guys do at some point is to lay into some of the more pretentious Oscar bait type of movies that come around every year. We all know are bad, cheesy movies are fun and somewhat easy to rip on. They're basically asking for it. The second they get greenlit, these don't bother me because we all know what we're in for watching them. But what I can't stand is the plotting pretentious stuff that gets put out and every serious or lover of film diddles themselves crazy over it, knowing damn well it's borderline unwatchable cliche written and Snorefest, I suspect some people, as with music, go out of their way to cite their love for some of this stuff, just so they appear more hip or intellectual in the eyes of others. Film snobbery and all. So what do you guys think about reviewing these kind of Oscar B movies? I mean, it's tough though, right? Because they're not generally rotten. No, they're not. I mean, critically they're adored. That's the problem with these Oscar Bay movies. And yes, these Oscar Bay movies are formulaic. Like, I think everybody is aware of that at this point. And so, it really is not creative. It's not intellectually stimulating and the movie probably really isn't that good. Finally, Christine writes in and says, Kevin, if you reveal your dark, chaotic past, 
with Pirates of the Caribbean. I will bake you, Joel and Martin, a baked good of your choice. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. What do you think of that? Free baked goods. The day of reckoning will come. It could it could be cornbread if you have a that cornbread lust. Mm. I, I see that gleam in your eye. Mm. <laughs> I could really have gone for some cornbread tonight. Yeah, Joel, what happened? Yeah, what happened? My cornbread days are over for the next 90 days, so. Your cornbread days oh, are over? man. Yeah. It's homemade, though. That's good for you. I'm off the cornbread. For, yeah, it's good for you. There's an entire <laughs> stick of butter <laughs> in it. <laughs> it will be revealed in time. All good things come to those who wait. What are you, a prophet? <laughs> Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week. And once again, we've been wallowing in our own chaotic, insecure <laughs> delusions about what to do about the question of the week here. So I've gotten the full range of responses from people. I hate the question of the week. I love the question of the week. I hate listener mails. I love listener mails. I hate the voicemails. I love the voicemails. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. If someone doesn't want to listen to it, just fast forward. You know, so what do you think, Kevin? We didn't get your opinion on the issue. Just keep doing it. Question of the week? Yeah, I, sure. Why not? I don't want to keep doing it. I didn't, don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep doing it, but just put it on the site because I like the conversation it sparks up on the website. Yeah, because sometimes people post a lot of stuff. They get like a, a conversation they going. They get like a real flame war going on. I like that. I like that interaction with the users. I just don't like having to edit so much. That's my biggest complaint with it. Then It's a lot of editing. Then don't include it in the episode, but post it on the site. Just say the question. Just say the question of the week, and then that's it. You don't say, go to the website and chime in. No one's forcing you to read these. All right, fine. For for this week's question of the week, who are three movie heroes that you would want on your side during the end of the world? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Post a comment on this episode's page with your answer. There you go. All right, now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll. And the choices were Ghost Rider versus National Treasure. And the winner is... National Treasure! I really like this movie. I'm surprised it's rotten, to be honest. I hate this movie. I absolutely despise this movie. So here we go. This is a real crowd pleaser when this came out. Uh, All right, if you say so. Okay, tune in next week when we will be watching National Treasure. If you've already seen this movie, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Give us a call, leave us a little mini review, and we'll play it on the show. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please tell your friends about the show by holding them at gunpoint and forcing (laughs) them to click the like button. Seems like you get into some legal issues with that <laughs> statement. I choose my words very carefully. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. <laughs> just so everybody out there can visualize what just happened, Joel just pointed at Kevin and said, "You can follow Martin at Yes yeah, Martin," and then he pointed at me and said, "You can you can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev." <laughs> I choose my gestures very carefully. (laughs) Okay, once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. So this movie starts off with a random guy on an island talking about something. What was he talking about? Gives his narrative where he says... Soliloquy. You're right. Diatribe. <laughs> iambic <laughs> pentameter. Now, he wasn't aware that... We <laughs> yeah, he was speaking in iambic <laughs> pentameter. Yeah, he was... He was. If only they didn't get on the boat, then they would still be here with us today. <laughs> was that iambic pentameter? Yes. <laughs>
A B B A B A.